This is E-Radio. It's time again for Medical Monday on E-Radio and uh, today we're doing some myth-busting with uh, Dr. Dylan Joseph, ophthalmologist. Welcome to Medical Monday. How's it going, doctor? Hey, very well. And yourself? Thanks, Jan. No, great. Thank you. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I love busting myths. So today that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to do. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, um, you know, I think when we have access to the internet and social media um, we often find a lot of mistruths or, or myths about uh, medical procedures and in particular laser vision correction and uh, today yeah i'm looking forward to busting a few of those myths and uh, uh, setting some of the um, uh, truths on the table exactly the truths the facts so forget what you know about it and uh, today dr joseph is going to tell us the truth right so i'm going to throw them at you and then you answer here we go the first one is lasik gives nighttime glare right so the previous laser vision correction platforms often did treatments which resulted in what we call an optical zone so the part of the cornea that we used to see that was traditionally smaller than what the modern day laser platforms can uh, now do. Plus the profile of the beam that was used to, to laser is very different to modern day lasers. We actually use what's called a flying pattern or a, a, a flying spot laser beam now, which gives a, a really um, accurate and broader beam profile. Uh, and it transitions into the periphery of the cornea. So the, the problem was in um, 30 years ago, 25 years ago with the laser correction systems is that they would give a treatment profile not much larger than your pupil. So traditionally, people would then at night complain of poor night vision or glare or halos or starbursts because their pupil is dilating bigger than the zone that was being lasered on the cornea. So that would cre- create that optical effect. Now, with modern day lasers, we can change those optical zone sizes and broaden them. And we go one step further, we, we can actually customize the shape of your cornea to really, rather than induce nighttime problems, to actually improve them. Um, it is well known that you know the higher the short-sightedness or far-sightedness, you know, it does take a little bit longer for your night vision to come right and then to actually be at a point where it's better than what it was with spectacles or contact lenses. But that's what the modern day platforms do. The lasers today are actually there to improve your quality of vision under good lighting and poor lighting like nighttime driving. Okay, so we can say LASIK does not give you nighttime glare. That myth has now been busted. Now we move on to the second one. LASIK cannot be repeated. That that is definitely not true. Um, as long as you've been worked up correctly and your surgeon designs a treatment plan for you, knowing your risk of a potential enhancement and whether you're short-sighted or far-sighted or or astigmatic, there's a different risk profile for potentially needing a touch-up or an enhancement in the future. And it's all up to us working it out scientifically to say, well, if you do need an enhancement, do you have enough? corneal tissue left that keeps you within our safety parameters 
to be able to touch you up. So the point is if you drift again from zero to minus one, you become a little more short-sighted or you go the opposite side to plus one and far-sighted. Or when you hit your 40s and you become presbarpic, remember you, you're not able to read your book or your cell phone anymore, then as long as there's enough tissue, we can repeat these procedures, either in the form of relifting a LASIK flap that we've created or lasering on top of the flap. So we determine how long down the line has your vision changed or fluctuated? And this is usually due to remodeling of the eye, so the eye healing it uh, back to the way it was. Um, and as long as you, you're within our safety parameters, we can repeat laser vision correction two, three, four, five times if necessary uh, to get you back to your target. So absolutely, it can be repeated. Okay, LASIK can be repeated. So that myth has also now been busted. Now we go to number three. LASIK wears off. So that actually ties in a little bit with uh, that myth number two that we've just um, gone through. And LASIK is a permanent change to the cornea. So the fact that it's changed the structure of your cornea doesn't mean that you can get regression because the laser has failed. What happens in the majority of time is that either the eye is changing in length, which can happen as we get older, and secondly, uh, which has come to light in the last 15 years and published by a guy called Dan Reinstein in the United Kingdom for the first time, is looking at the top 50 thousandths of a millimeter of the cornea called the epithelium. And that epithelium basically remodels. So where we're removing tissue from the cornea, that epithelium fills it to try and basically smooth the, the cur curvature of the cornea out again. And in doing so, while it's remodeling, that's what's actually causing, in the majority of cases, that change in your vision again. So we've learned an incredible amount in the last 10 to 15 years about understanding the remodeling of the eye and that top 50 thousandths of a millimeter of the cornea. And we can now use that to our advantage when um, planning a treatment profile. So no, laser does not wear off. It's the fact that the eye changes. It's the fact that the eye gets older, that we start developing that short arm syndrome when we hit our 40s. Um, and because the eye is remodeling, those are the reasons why your vision's cha vision changes and not the fact that the laser is wearing off. And the point is, um, we can repeat a laser procedure and we can change that and we can treat you again to get you back to that uh, end point that you're looking for. Thank you, Dr. Joseph. Now, the next uh, couple of questions or the next couple of myths uh, feature conditions that we spoke about last week. Uh, the first one is LASIK cannot treat presbyopia. So uh, presbyopia, just to recap, is your loss of your near vision as you hit your 40s or your late 40s, early 50s. And as long as you have gone through a really good consultation and counseling process with your uh, laser vision correction surgeon and they show you an option that can treat presbyopia, usually in what the form of blended vision, and blended vision is a really interesting discussion which we'll maybe tackle next week, but a blended vision essentially is a way in which we treat the dominant eye, so the eye that requires good distance vision, so we correct that for distance, and then the non-dominant eye, we actually treat that for your near vision. So we can actually alter the shape of the eye to change the uh, position in which the light rays fall to give you a combination of both distance and near vision. That's called blended vision in, in modern day terms. So absolutely, whether you're short-sighted or far-sighted, 
there are options in which we can treat this presbyopia as it um, takes its course in your 40s and 50s. The next one, LASIK cannot treat astigmatism. Ian, I think this is possibly one of the biggest and, and most widespread myths out there. Um, and a lot of people have been put off LASIK for many, many years because they believe, you know, they've been told that astigmatism simply cannot be treated with laser. And I think that stems from the fact that, you know, people are potentially concerned about abnormal astigmatism. And abnormal astigmatism can often be associated with diseases of the cornea like keratoconus. And keratoconus, yes, is a contraindication to LASIK where we create a flap on the cornea, but it's no longer a contraindication itself for a, a laser vision correction procedure in the form of uh, a surface treatment where we don't create a flap because you can often combine that with a procedure called cross-linking to stabilize the bonds. Keratoconus is a disease where the bonds are naturally not stiff in the cornea and you can, you can weaken those bonds further potentially by doing LASIK or laser vision correction. But nowadays we can control that. But in normal or regular astigmatism, we can laser up to what's called minus six diopters of astigmatism, which is a significant amount of astigmatism. You are basically night blind, your daytime vision is poor, your near vision is poor, and your distance vision is poor with, with that magnitude of astigmatism. But as long as we look at your scans and assess you as a healthy candidate, albeit with astigmatism, the astigmatism is not per se a contraindication for laser if it is normal astigmatism. So that's a that's a really important myth that I'd I'd, I'd like to to put to bed today because if you do have astigmatism and it's been bothering you, often uh, people with this condition cannot wear contact lenses properly because try and put something that's shaped essentially like a soccer ball, the outside layer of a soccer ball, onto something that looks like a rugby ball. The fit just doesn't work. And so people that wear contact lenses with astigmatism are often uncomfortable. The lens shifts, it turns, they get fluctuation in their vision because as that lens shifts and turns, so it changes their vision quality. So a lot of astigmatism sufferers uh, wear uh, spectacles. And the thing about spectacles and astigmatism is you get quite a lot of what's called prismatic jump on the edge of the spectacle. So your image size changes or your image location changes when you're looking through the edge or the bottom of the spectacle. So uh, when you put that treatment onto the corneal plane, you're actually regularizing the shape of the cornea and improving the overall quality of vision. So absolutely, astigmatism can be lasered. The next one, Dr. Joseph, LASIK cannot treat myopia and astigmatism or hyperopia and astigmatism. Yeah, so those are the, the combination um, uh, visual errors that we talked about earlier. Now, whether you've got a combination of short-sightedness and the astigmatism or far-sightedness and the astigmatism, the laser profiles or the, the, the intelligence within the lasers combines these profiles so that it can actually treat them individually, one after the other in the same sitting, or it can actually treat them in a combined fashion. And the lasers that we use now um, depending on our profile that we input into the laser, the laser actually simultaneously treats your short-sightedness and astigmatism or your far-sightedness and astigmatism to give you the result that you're looking for. Um, and uh, included in that is presbyopia. We just change the targets that we're looking at. So if we want to give you near vision in the one eye more distance vision in the other to blend it, we input that into the, uh, the laser system and the um, program behind that 
that drives the laser, develops the laser program and treats all of that simultaneously. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, the next one, Doctor, LASIK cannot be done if you wear hard contact lenses. So hard, hard contact lenses were traditionally used many years ago to treat not only myopia or short-sightedness, but um, astigmatism as well, uh, or a combination of those two. The thing about a hard contact lens is it does change the shape of your cornea. So if you're considering laser vision correction, the one prerequisite for hard contact lens wearers is that you need your lenses out for two to three weeks. And I know it's a long time, so you're going to have to be in spectacles for two to three weeks before considering a, an evaluation uh, to see if you're a candidate for laser vision correction. Soft contact lens users, they're out a day or two, um, and we often get a, a good understanding of the corneal shape uh, with the soft contact lenses. But the problem with the hard ones is that they can warp or change the dynamics or the structure, the architecture of the cornea, uh, which may give us false values when we look at the scans if, they, if the lenses are just taken out. So can we laser uh, hard contact lens users? Absolutely. Just as long as they're out of the eye for two to three weeks prior to evaluation, we have a look at the scans. And if the scans are within normal parameters, we can certainly work on a treatment program. The next uh, myth we're going to bust uh, is LASIK causes dry eyes. I think this is also in the, the realm of the, uh, the, the, the myth that LASIK uh, can't treat astigmatism. When we counsel patients, we often have to tell them about dry eyes, especially if they've got dry eyes. In, in, in fact, not often have to, we always have to. We always look for dry eyes first, and if patients have dry eyes for whatever the reason, we have to treat the dry eyes aggressively before considering vision correction. So laser vision correction can temporarily cause a dry surface. We actually call it transient eye discomfort syndrome. As a result of laser vision correction, that can last up to nine months. However, if it lasts longer than that, there's always an underlying comorbidity or an underlying problem that needs to be treated or addressed. Now, traditionally, um, the, the surface treatments like PRK, photorefractive keratectomy, were often reserved for uh, patients with dry eye because it was thought that the nerve plexus of the eye wasn't disturbed as much as when as it is with LASIK. And LASIK, remember, we used in, in older days a keratome or a blade to make a flap in the cornea. Um, nowadays, with our modern-day femtosecond lasers, we can make ultra-thin flaps. And there's been good documented publications that show that on thin flap LASIK procedures created with a femtosecond laser, the outcome or the incidence of dry eye postoperatively is identical to that of PRK or the surface treatments. So it is getting a little bit technical, but with the advent of modern technology and modern femtosecond lasers, which we use, the incidence of postoperative dry eye is identical and it is treatable. So it's always temporary as a result of laser vision correction. If it lasts longer, then we need to uh, treat it aggressively and we need to look for underlying causes. But most of those underlying causes are often ruled out in that preoperative assessment. And if we find dry eye, we treat it aggressively. But no, laser does not cause long-term dry eye and indefinite dry eye. Um, if we pick these things up at the preoperative assessment, it's important to treat those uh, first. And dry eye per se, then, is not a contraindication to having laser vision correction. We've just got to treat, make sure that that condition is treated well first. Dr. Joseph, I think the next one is uh, one that's a uh, concern for many, that LASIK is 
painful. Yeah, the 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 eye is a very sensitive organ, and and people often think, and, I, and I've often had uh, patients tell me after the surgery that the thing that worried them the most, funnily enough, was how on earth are they going to keep their eyes open during the procedure? Mm. So, firstly, you don't you don't have to worry about that. We we open your eyes for you. We have a little lid separating device there, and your blink mechanism is taken away completely because you've got anesthetic drops on your eye. Plus, we give you a Valium before the procedure to really relax you and calm you down, and uh, because your blink reflex is gone and the surface of your eye is numb, you absolutely do not feel any pain. There is no pain during the procedure. At some stage, you might feel a little bit of pressure uh, when the uh, flap is being created, but undoubtedly no pain during LASIK. Depending on whether you've had LASIK or PRK, there is some discomfort after the procedure. With LASIK, it's usually the first three to four hours not more usually than 24 hours and with a surface treatment like prk you can feel like you've got a bit of sand or grit in your eyes for the first two to three days but after that it's a very quick recovery in terms of discomfort but um certainly no pain during the procedure we don't have any needles any injections any blades um near the eye whatsoever and um you can be rest assured that there is no pain that's good to know. The next one, I'm too old for LASIK. So let's go back to what is too old or too young. So, too, you know, we, we many people think we uh, can't have laser vision correction if we're presbyopic, so over 40 or 50. Um, or if we're 50, we must have some sign of cataracts. Or even 60, we must have a form of cataract. So we've got very, very intelligent um, machines in our clinics today that measure scatter off the eye and can detect whether there's any changes in the lenses. And if you're 50 years old or 45 or 60 and there's no signs of cataract, um, then there's no reason why you can't consider a laser vision correction procedure. And on the other end of the spectrum, at 18, you know, you've been in uh, contact lenses or spectacles, uh, you know, and you'd like to explore your options, then there's no time like the present. A lot of people believe, and this is another myth, Ian, that, uh, that I'd like to just chat about with, with regards that end of the spectrum at 18. People believe that you, your vision needs to be stable for two years prior to considering vision correction. That is a myth in itself. When we do laser vision correction or correct whatever refractive area you have on or inside the eye, by doing that, we're actually halting the growth of the eye or taking away the stimulus for growth of the eye and stabilizing the vision by actually doing the procedure. Whereas often staying in spectacles for extended periods of time can cause continual lengthening of the eye, which causes um, continual induction of short-sightedness or myopia. So that's another really big big myth uh, that, that, that people believe. And uh, essentially, no, you, you, you don't have to be, you're never too old uh, for a vision correction procedure. And we will be able to tell you with our, our diagnostic equipment whether we're going to be doing a laser procedure outside the eye or a um, lens-based procedure. And even if you've had a lens-based procedure, here's another myth, is people believe that you can't have laser on top of that. As a refractive surgeon, it's one of my drives. I mean, 8 to 10% of people after cataract surgery are not going to be on visual target for a number of reasons. And then there's no reason why they shouldn't be. So we can go and um, touch their vision up with laser vision correction after they've had their human lenses removed. That's actually a great, um, a great discussion and a topic on its own. Uh, doctor, I think uh, the next one, uh, we as humans, of course, are 
afraid of the unknown, the things we don't know. And therefore, it makes sense that people would say LASIK is not safe, that it would be a concern for them. Maybe there's a fear yeah. that they could go blind or something could go wrong. Yeah. So worldwide, there's about 60 million laser vision correction procedures that have been done. And yes, there's risk involved. And we need to, as clinicians, explain risk versus benefit and the patient at the end of the day has to weigh up risk benefit and say are they ready um, to do a procedure but there's never been a documented case in the 16 million procedures done of total blindness yes there are cases of decreased best corrected vision which often if they're done in a institute uh, that is solely focused on laser can be corrected but when you look at the safety profiles of laser vision correction it is the most commonly performed elective medical procedure in the world. It is the most peer-reviewed procedure in the world. So it's the most papers written on laser vision correction compared to any other medical procedure. So it is scrutinized incredibly and safety parameters have tightened. Um, Diagnostic parameters and inclusion parameters for surgery have gotten so tight. More and more people are uh, subspeciality trained in laser vision correction nowadays. And as I said uh, two weeks ago, laser vision correction is actually such a niche procedure that uh, uh, that it's almost um, being separated from ophthalmology as a se- separate speciality. Ob- obviously, we have to go through ophthalmology to get there, but it is uh, that detailed is becoming such a studied procedure that it's a uh, it's a subspeciality on its own. And just one more before we wrap it up. The last one, quite an interesting one. Ophthalmologists don't have the procedure done themselves. Well, obviously not yeah. yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Dude, that would be an it would be an interesting thing trying to push the foot pedal while lying under your own legs. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great question, and I think the biggest advocates for the procedure are the. The, the people that are performing it, aren't we? And, um, you know, recent studies have shown that uh, more than 50 to 60% of ophthalmologists with refractive errors, so meaning wearing spectacles or contact lenses, have themselves undergone the procedure with another colleague. And um, the, these same studies show that more than 90% of ophthalmologists will, in fact, advocate the procedure to um, their family members and friends. That's how much we believe in the procedure. That's how much we know it changes your quality of life. So if if there is any doubt as to whether uh, doctors as well, um, outside of ophthalmology or ophthalmologists themselves undergo the procedure, absolutely not. I've done many, many colleagues, many doctors, um, and uh, they all believe in the procedure as much as I do. And um, at the end of the day, we're the greatest advocates for it. And uh, you have to believe in in the procedure yourself if you're going to perform it. And when we see the outcomes that we do, then it's hard not to believe in a procedure that changes the quality of your life. Exactly. And there we have it from uh, Dr. Dylan Joseph himself. Uh, Hopefully today is going to help uh, putting your mind at ease uh, and uh, help uh, answer your uh, questions. Finally, some myth-busting done on the Medical Monday today. Dr. Joseph, how do we get in touch with you? Jan, we're, uh, our website is www.drdillonjoseph.com. Um, our email address is info at drdillonjoseph.com and our office numbers in Neisner are 44 
Uh, we're also found on Instagram, on Facebook, and um, we have a YouTube channel running as well, uh, where we actually explain a lot of uh, the ophthalmic or the surgical procedures and answer a lot of questions related to dry eye and laser vision correction, cataract surgery. So uh, please, yeah, go and visit those pages. And hopefully you can find a wealth of information that could make your journey to visual correction a lot more comfortable. Dr. Joseph, thank you so much as always. It's been very insightful and uh, looking forward to uh, next uh, Monday for more Medical Monday. Absolutely. Have a great week, Jan, and uh, thanks for the chat. And to you. Thanks, Doctor. Cheers. Cheers, Jan. Cheers.